Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Okay, so before we dive in, we're going to read all of Psalm 27 because I think it's very important and it uh, was really going to help our our message for today. Okay, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and pull it open for me. If you have your phone, you can do that or you can just read it on the screen. Okay, we're going to read all together. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversary and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And, my, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord and lead me on a level path because of my, where'd y'all go? Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> y'all need to bring your Bibles to church. Y'all, I, I was like, oh Lord, this sounds so beautiful. <laughs> I was like, goodness gracious, Lord. That's okay, I'll finish it for y'all. <laughs> Teach me your way, oh Lord, and lead me on a level. <laughs> that was funny. That was really <laughs> I was like, it's quiet. Did they just get tired? God. (laughs) Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Amen. King Jesus, we love your word. We love every word that proceeds from your mouth. We know that your word is alive. Your word is active. Your word is changing our hearts. Your word is changing our lives. Father God, as we explore your word today, I'm asking Lord Jesus that you would bring the spirit of transformation into this place, that we will be first and foremost made into your likeness. And second, Lord Jesus, that we would be equipped 
to live lives as unshakable saints. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. I'm just going to give you all a forewarning. Unshakable saints is hard to say, okay? It's hard to say. So if I mess up, don't judge me. Okay, this is what I want to do. As we dive into this message, I kind of want to have like a Bible study discussion, okay? Is that okay? So I might ask y'all, you know, do you agree? Do you see that? Da-da-da, da-da-da. And if you'd like to respond, please do respond, okay? Does that make sense? Because there's something that I really feel like we need to talk about as it pertains, pertains to Psalm 27. Are you ready for this? In verses 1 through 6, we experience a David who is very confident, borderline boastful, boastful about, in assur- about his assurance of the protection and presence of God in his life, right? Let's read it again. The Lord is my light and salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter, someone shall covering in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. Someone just shout unto the Lord right now. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. This is the writing of an unshakable saint. Would you agree, church? This is very confident writing that we're experiencing from David, right? He's very sure of the protection and presence of God in and over his life. He makes some very definitive statements. He says, the Lord is my light and salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. My enemies stumble and fall. My heart shall not fear. Though war rise, I will be confident. He will hide me in his shelter. He will conceal me. My head shall be lifted up above my enemies. These are some definitive faith-filled statements that David is making, right? We can all learn from this, can't we? We can all learn from, da- from David, right? What, what it looks like to make some strong faith declarations because we've been talking about that, right? But then something shifts in David's tone. Excuse me, I'm sorry that I keep making these big punts, whatever. But then something shifts in David's tone as we work our way into verses seven through nine. Let's read it. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. Hold up, David. Just a few verses ago, you were unequivocally confident about everything that you're now pleading with God for. What's going on, David? Furthermore, there's a desperation that it it, it seems like arises in David's disposition. And that desperation seems to be laced with an underlying 
fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety that the Lord wouldn't hear him when he cries out. Fear and anxiety that somehow, someway, God would turn him away in anger. Fear and anxiety that God would cast him off. Fear and anxiety that God would forsake him. Forsake him. What's happening right here is David is having a moment. David is having a moment. It's almost as if for just a moment, David's mind, it wanders into a place where his deep fears and anxieties are exposed. Don't hide from me, Lord. Don't turn from me, Lord. Don't cast me away, Lord. Don't forsake me, Lord. I got a question for y'all this morning. Have you ever had a moment in your walk with Christ where you've been so filled with faith and you've been beautifully connected to God and then anxiety and fear, whether it's circumstantial or it's a straight up attack from the enemy, creeps up on you and seeks to knock you off the firm foundation that you've been standing upon. Have you ever had a moment? Now what we have to realize is that it's very human to have moments. I wanna encourage you this morning, you're not alone. You're not alone. In fact, scripture gives us countless examples of the most faith-filled people having their own moments. Moses, after God had parted the Red Sea, after God had given them a cloud by day and fire by night, after God had provided manna for them, the people start to grumble. And they say, we're tired of this manna. We're tired of the provision of God. Give us meat. And David gets mad at them. Then David, oh, sorry, David, excuse me, Moses gets mad at them. And then Moses gets mad at God. And then Numbers 11, verse 13 to 15, he says, where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. Now listen, y'all are laughing like you've never been there. Y'all are laughing like you've never had an experience or a circumstance in your life where you're like, Lord, just take me now. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once if I find favor in your sight that I may not see my wretchedness. Moses had a moment. Jesus had a moment. In the garden of Gethsemane, as he was getting ready to make his ascent to the cross, Jesus was praying in the garden. And he has a very human moment, whereas drops like sweat, like blood was coming from his brow. He cries out to the father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. Lord, if it's possible, don't make me do this. Don't make me do this, Lord. Don't make me do this. But then in the next breath, he, he proclaims, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus had 
a moment. Now I want to go back to Psalm 27. And I think that it's very important that as we're examining Psalm 27, that we give it a little bit of context, that we, we, we dive into David's world as he's reading Psalm 27. Most Bible scholars believe that David wrote Psalm 27 during one of two traumatic moments in his life. Are you ready for this? The first is this, when he was in exile with King Saul in pursuit of him to take his life. And the second is when David was fleeing from Absalom, his violently rebellious son, who sought to steal the crown from him and take his life. Now listen, (laughs) whether it's the first or the second experience, David was in a very precarious position when he was writing Psalm 27. Can we agree on that? But how does David respond? We see his response in Psalm 27 verse 10. He says, for my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. What David does in this moment is he brings his mind back into alignment with the truth. It is imperative in our lives as believers that in the moments and in the circumstances in our life when our faith is tested, that we bring our minds back into alignment with the truth of the Word of God. David turns to God in this moment. David could have easily camped out in this place of fear and anxiety that we see him write from in verse nine, but instead he reminds himself of the truth and turns to God. I will turn to God always. Say it with me. I will turn to God always. In moments when fear and anxiety creep in to try and inhibit our faith, we have to learn how to bring our minds back into alignment with the truth of the word of God. In Psalm 27, verse 9 and 10, David is showing us that the fact that you're experiencing shaking doesn't mean that you're not an unshakable saint. In fact, the exemplification of an unshakable saint is best seen in the way that they respond to the moments of shaking in their lives. Because this is the fact, y'all. Every believer will go through moments when fear and anxiety come knocking at the door of their hearts to try and shake their faith. Every single one of us. But our response in these moments when our faith is tested determines whether or not our faith will stay intact. Will you turn to God? What do you do when your faith is tested? How do you cope when your faith is tested? Where do you turn when your faith is tested? Will you turn to God? In the day and age that we're living in, it is so easy to find other things to turn to. In fact, looking at my own life, there is always another option to turn to besides God. There's always another option. And listen, it can be as simple as my phone. It can be as simple as when, I, when I'm going through circumstances, when circumstances and situations in my life arise, I pull out my phone before I turn to God. 
I pull out my phone to try and numb the pain or, num- or, or numb the weight of the circumstance or situation that has arised in my life. We turn to social media and other things to affirm us before we turn to God. But then it can get as serious as medicating ourselves with a bottle or medicating ourselves with drugs. I'm going to say it like Stephen A. Smith says it. Stay off the weed then. It can be you turning to things like pornography to try and somehow numb the weight of the circumstances or the situations that have arisen in your life. But listen, if we're going to be unshakable saints, it's imperative that we implore in our hearts that we will turn to God always. Turn to God when you can't feel him. Because you will have moments in your walk with God when you feel like God is far. You will, I promise you, you will have moments like that. And the temptation in those moments will be to disconnect your heart from him. But I promise you, he's not far. He promises in his word that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Scripture says that he sticks closer than a brother. Hebrews 10, 23 implores us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who has promised is what? Faithful. Job says in Job 23, I go east, but he's not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north for he's hidden. I look to the south, but he's concealed, but he knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold, for I have stayed on God's path. I have followed his ways and not turned aside. Listen, family, listen. The greatest thing that you can do in moments where you feel like God is far from you, keep walking. Keep walking. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward because I promise you, you will feel him. You will experience his power. You will experience his presence in your life if you just keep walking. Turn to God when you can't feel him. Turn to God even when your faith is weak. Because this is the fact of the matter. God is not afraid of your weak faith. God is not afraid of the moments in your life when the circumstances of life are weighing so heavy upon you that when you enter the place of prayer, you you can't even get anything out. He's not afraid of those moments. But all he's asking you to do is to turn to him. Don't turn away from him. Turn to God. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 tells us that his strength is actually made perfect in our what? In our weakness. Weakness is not an excuse to turn away from God. Weakness is, weak faith is not permission to turn from God. Turn to God always. In every situation, in every circumstance of your life, turn to God. Rick Warren says that the deepest level of worship is praising God in spite of pain. 
thanking God during a trial, trusting him when tempted, surrendering while suffering, and loving him when he seems distant. This past week on Tuesday, I was having a meeting with one of our worship leaders, Mary Pat. And Mary Pat has been walking through a a very, very difficult circumstance in her life. Uh, A few weeks ago, as she was at a family reunion, her dad had a massive heart attack. And so they took him to the hospital and they had to do open heart surgery on him. And as they did open heart surgery, they found a multitude of issues that ultimately led to them essentially trying to keep him alive right now. And as Mary Pat and I were talking on Tuesday morning, she said to me, Brian, the moment I walked into the room and I saw my dad lying on the hospital bed with his chest cut open and countless wires attached to his body, I didn't know what was gonna come out of me. But the first thing that came out of my mouth was thanksgiving to the Lord. Before the outcome was decided, I wanted to make sure that I offered up thanksgiving to the Lord. Mary Pat has learned how to turn to God. I will turn to God always. No matter the situation in my life, no matter the circumstance I'm walking through, I will turn to God always. I will turn to God always. Now for a moment, I wanna get, get a little bit more focused. As I was preparing, I was in, as I was in prayer and preparation uh, th- for this message, the Lord began to grip my heart for all those in the room who are suffering with anxiety and the spirit of anxiety. The fact of the matter is that anxiety is something that we as humans naturally experience, but it can also be a spirit that is sent by the enemy to exploit our fears. I remember I, this week as I was preparing, I heard him say that he wanted us to talk, talk about and address anxiety's assault on the unshakable saint. It's no secret that we're living in a world that is absolutely positively filled with anxiety. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States and affect more than 40 million adults. 19.1% of the population every single year. Furthermore, anxiety disorders affect 31.9% of adolescents between the ages of 13 and 18 years old. On a broader scale, according to the World Health Organization, one in 13 people around the world suffer from anxiety. And I know today that there's some people in the room who are suffering at the hand of anxiety. And I'm not an expert in anxiety. We'd probably need Michelle to get up here and talk you through all the things that happen within the brain as it pertains to anxiety. But what I do know about anxiety is this. Anxiety is unfair. It doesn't tell you when it's gonna come creeping in. 
And it often creeps in at the most inopportune times. And make no mistake about it, for the believer, it arises to assault our faith. Anxiety attacks at different levels. It can be as simple as a constant worry or a fear that you have. Or it can be as violent as an uncontrollable panic attack. Anxiety seeks to exploit our fears. This is the fact of the matter. We all have fears in life. But anxiety seeks to creep in and magnify those fears past the point of maintenance. And anxiety is absolutely no respecter of persons. You can be the most faith-filled person in the world and experience anxiety. The Apostle Paul dealt with anxiety. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 28 tells us, and apart from other things, there is daily press on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Anxiety is no respecter of persons. I want to invite my wife, Sonia, up. Um, when we got married in 2018, the day after our wedding, we began the battle of our life with anxiety. I'm talking panic attacks on most nights in the first year of our marriage. I remember our honeymoon in Mexico. Every single day, we would just stay in the hotel and I would hold my wife as she shook with a panic attack and we would just pray and we would rebuke the devil until it went away. And then I thought, I thought we were gonna receive relief when we came back and moved to Nashville, but it actually only intensified. I remember in our little apartment in Brentwood, me holding my wife in the middle of the night as she shook. It was one of the hardest things we'd ever experienced in our lives, but I just wanted her to take a moment to share the testimony. Well, I just want to say, first of all, I'm good. <laughs> God is good. He's faithful. Before I share, you know, the story part, let's just go to the end and let y'all know that I've been set free and delivered. <laughs> and there's a scripture that says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so it's very important that you hear my story so you can get your victory. So we're not sharing a sad story just to share a sad story. Actually, it's filled with glory because the Lord is gonna save you because of it. And so I said this last service, but I'm gonna say it again. The way Brian loved me, I'm not gonna look at you and say it, the way Brian loved me in our first year of marriage is, it's, I can't even put into words. For someone to love you in your most scariest place, so sweet. And I said this in the first service too, I will never forget our poor neighbors, because we lived in an apartment. I will never forget Brian screaming in prayer in the middle of the night. I was already asleep. It was like a good night. I was getting sleep. 
And he was in the living room warring for his wife. And Brian was a 26-year-old virgin. Do you think on his honeymoon that's what he wanted to have been doing? I can answer that right now. No. <laughs> I had other plans. But the Lord knew, Pastor Lyle, the Lord knew. Well, there's this thing called praying through. And we did that. And Brian told me, he said, we're going to pray and we're going to worship until you feel better. And if we have to do that our entire honeymoon, we're going to do that. And we prayed through our honeymoon and it's honestly a fond memory. It's a beautiful memory because it was so beautiful to experience God's presence and be wrecked in our hotel room and then be like, okay, let's go on an excursion. <laughs> but then it kept, <laughs> and then it kept, the attacks kept on after we got back and then moved to Nashville. And I'll say this, I had a stronghold in my life because of significant trauma when I was a kid. I had a panic attack every night for five to six years. And this was before I was saved and my household wasn't saved. And so my mom did everything she could possibly think of to help me. Even took me to a hypnotist, didn't work. And truly nothing, nothing helped me besides the presence of God. Because after the season when I was younger, when I, you know, it was like seven years, the first time I had a panic attack was our, uh, the day after we got married, it was seven years. I, had, I was like, I'm free. <laughs> and the enemy's like, no, you're not. And we had to fight. But this was me fighting as a believer then. And let me tell you, it was so much better. So much better. There's hope in the fight when you're a believer. There's hope in the fight when you're a believer. And, and I remember what Brian watched, he watched me be terrified because it was as if my cancer was back. It, like the anxiety, yeah, yeah, I know the feeling, yeah, yeah. It was like, no, am I gonna live like this forever? So it was, I had to fight more for hope than I did for actual freedom. And the Lord wants to give y'all hope because when you deal with anxiety, it's a secret killer because people are feeling anxious, they're about to have a panic attack. They're not in the room, they left. They left, they're already gone. So literally last service, there's people who I had no idea were having panic attacks, no idea, wouldn't have known if they didn't show up to this altar. And so the Lord wants to give you hope that this is not gonna last. This is not gonna last. And something very, very important, Brian said that, you know, sometimes anxiety can be a spirit. There are spirits of fear that can actually make your body feel anxiety, but also anxiety comes from trauma and, and establishes stronghold in your life and the enemy will come to operate that stronghold. So I'm gonna rebuke the enemy, but I don't want you to think just because you have anxiety that you have a demon. Okay, so that's not what we're saying here, but I am gonna rebuke the enemy because he comes in strategic seasons to try to operate strongholds that you have, to manipulate you and to op uh, oppose you. And that's why the enemy showed up the day after we got married, because he knew the fullness of what we were gonna do together as a couple. And so do you wanna do the all Yeah, thing? let's just stand up all across the room. I believe as we are preparing and praying that God is gonna set some people free today. 
people who have been struggling with anxiety, people who anxiety has had a stronghold in your life, he's going to set you free today. So Father God, right now over this atmosphere, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are in this room, that you are moving, that you are breathing, that the helper is in the room today. And we thank you that you're getting ready to set some people free from the grip of anxiety. We decreed and we declared in the name of Jesus out of our mouths that the spirit of anxiety will bow its knee at the altar today in Jesus' name. So even now, if that's you, if you've been struggling with anxiety on any level, I just want you to run to the altar. Run to the altar. Today is your day of deliverance. Don't be afraid. Come on. Today is your day of deliverance. If you've been struggling at the hand of anxiety, we want to meet you at the altar today. Our prayer team is coming forward as well. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you have a thank child you, that struggles with anxiety, please yeah. also come up to the altar. Yeah. And so right now, just as a family, yeah. we're gonna do some renouncing on behalf of everybody up here. And we're gonna lift up our shield of faith as a house yeah. for people yeah. who are in torment. Yeah. Because torment is not our portion. Yeah, there's more, there's more. If, you, if that's you, just come forward. Don't be afraid today. Today is your day of deliverance. I promise today is a day of deliverance. The Lord wants to meet you this morning. He wants to set you free from the grip of the enemy. I promise today is the day. The, today is the day. Okay, so as a house, we're just going to lift up our shields of faith and just repeat after me and then I'll pray. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus thank you. Thank you. For your, gift of peace. for your gift of peace. Thank you, Thank. That, you defeated Satan. that you defeated Satan. Thank you that your love cast out all fear. So right now, in Jesus' name, we renounce fear. We renounce anxiety. We renounce panic attacks. We renounce all trauma. We renounce Satan. So we command Satan to go now in Jesus' name. Okay, I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. I bind every spirit of fear and I command you to go now. Every tormenting spirit, I bind you right now in Jesus' name. And I say you are unauthorized in the name of Jesus. We bind you and we command you to go. Angels, come and take these spirits away from people of God. Lord Jesus, I thank you for trauma being healed right now. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just heal all trauma. Lord, I ask for new brain. God, give us new brains today. Give us new brains. I just declare over every single one of you, your bodies are no longer a slave to fear in Jesus' name. We sever fear right now in the name of Jesus. We say you are a slave to the king, not a slave to fear. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you. We honor you. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. We believe for breakthrough right now. Right now. Those who have been contending for a long time, we say it's done today, right now, in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for physical healings right now. Physical healings. I see people are being healed right now from trauma in their body. The Lord is healing you right now. 
Lord, we just honor you, we bless you. And I come after every single child that is tormented. We take them back right now in the name of Jesus. We sever all ties from our children to the enemy and anxiety. Right now in Jesus' name, any child that's downstairs that is experiencing anxiety or torment or panic attack, holy angels, I ask you would go and set them free right now in the name of Jesus. We pray protection over our babies in Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.